Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Knapsack. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. 
And we're here to discuss breaking news from a long time ago. A galaxy far, far away. And a galaxy of Star Wars news. This is our news show. Thanks to everyone who has been so warm and receptive to, number one, Jennifer returning to the show here uh, to talk news with us. And then also the new format, News on Tuesdays, Questions on Wednesdays, Deep Dives on Thursdays, and Clone Wars and Star Wars Ranked and all those things. We really appreciate it. Uh, uh, You guys uh, being uh, so open to uh, changes and returns uh, we are going to dive into news before <laughs> we do all that <laughs> sorry you just sounded like a stressed out uh, clerk at like an old time retail store <laughs> oh sorry your shirt didn't fix uh, fit uh, we'll, we'll get uh, we'll uh, we'll get a chance to catch up here but as always I want to remind you today's podcast is brought to you by Audible get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center over 180,000 titles to choose from uh, choose from for your iPhone Android Kindle or MP3 player a little bit later as always whoever force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us and that's not all Joseph no we have another offer as well Inside Editions is a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books as well as other pop culture properties they are offering 35% off across their website if you use this special link insideditions.com slash discount slash fc35 this week we are continuing to recommend the Insight Editions book the mini book of lightsabers it is about laser swords but it's small and cute what could go wrong again use the link insightedditions.com slash discount slash fc35 it is the Yoda lightsaber of lightsaber books small <laughs> Small and deadly and adorable. Yep. So check that out. Like Joseph said, Star Wars adventures, life adventures. Ah, oh, what a time. What a time. Uh, but we're here to uh, just kind of talk about all that. Jennifer, let's start with you. The people, the people have spoken. They're so happy to have you back. And we're so happy to have you back, of course, uh, as as well. But uh, how, how's, how's your Star Wars adventures going? They're going. I went to my mom's house yesterday and I found just a bunch of random Star Wars stuff, like an old lightsaber TV remote that no longer works, <laughs> a Princess Leia cardboard cutout, my Millennium Falcon skirt, like all this stuff. And I don't know what to do with it because I have no place for it. Like, right. <sighs> This is why I need like my own little nerd cave where I could display everything, right? But I don't have that. Ooh, my I husband's like, that. like, my husband's like, uh, you're not bringing that, are you? I'm like, no, I guess I'll just stay here for now. But I want to, I want to display, you know. But my family's not into it. I don't know what to yeah. do. This has been a long-term discussion that Ken and I have had of like, it would be great to get to the point where like, look, we we need to have a studio for Force Center. But really what we need is we call it a studio and it's just Star Wars storage for all three of us. <laughs> exactly. I, I like the idea of a Force Center museum. Like, you know, like a, 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 a land of Millennium Falcon dress or that, that, that Death Star dress dress. I mean, come on. This is like, we need, this needs to be on display. Belongs in museum, as Indiana Jones would say. Yeah, Jabba the Hutt body pillow. I, it's <laughs> massive. And my mom <laughs> lifted it up, this giant green thing. She's like, do you still want this? I said, absolutely. I don't know where I'm going to put it. Um, so that was that was my uh, Star Wars adventures. And then uh, did you guys see Oscar Isaac this week on Saturday Night Live? I did I not. I have that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my. I've only seen just some of the sketches 
there's this meatball sketch where he plays a meatball and I was <laughs> crying. I was laughing so hard. He's, he's just, no matter what he's doing, even playing the meatball, he gives a hundred and ten percent commitment. I love that about him. Oh, you, you, you truly believed he was a meatball. <laughs> a delicious little singing meatball. You oh, that have sounds to great. find it. You have to, you, you guys will both appreciate it so much. I will. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those uh, SNL fans going back 40 years, but I haven't watched in a couple of years for no reason other than it's just not on my life schedule anymore, but I saw some clips and I think for Oscar, I'll, I'll watch again. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to Google Oscar Isaac meatball and see what else comes up. <laughs> I, I, I forget, you know, a dude can sing too, man. Like yes. he's, he's an old school showman. That's right. He really is. I mean, it, SNL is a tough gig. And even some of the best actors have a difficult time staying yeah. in the moment and reading the, you know, the cue cards. But he was he was amazing. Guy, he's so fantastic. That's the best. That's the best. Well, that's, that's yeah. some good adventures there. Job of the Hut Pillows, which I think you should put in your car. I think you should just be in the passenger seat of your car. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Oh, the possibilities. And when you when you say Millennium Falcon skirt, I am remembering correctly that this is not like cloth with an image of the Falcon. You mean this is a large construction of the Millennium Falcon that one can wear as a skirt, right? Yes, it's a large foam skirt. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it looks pretty, you know, raggedy now, but uh, like a hunk of junk. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's the Sudafed. Uh, but I, I would like to display it. Like you're saying, Ken, like if I had a mannequin, I would totally display that because it, it is a, an important piece in my crafting history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, Four Center Museum. It's a goal now in life. We'll put it out into the galaxy, you know. I like it. <laughs> Donations at the door if you want to, but you can just kind of come take some photos. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Joseph, did you find anything you want to put in a museum this week? Oh, look, half of my apartment is a museum. I, I still haven't put together the razor crest because I need to reshape my entire life around it. I'm so happy I have it. I'm so lucky uh, to have it, but I haven't put it together yet because it truly is like, um, yeah, I'm going to have to remodel uh, my, my work-life <laughs> flow to find a place to display the razor crest. So, yeah, there's a lot of that. And that was actually a, a part of my life adventures. Uh, this week, uh, it's been infrastructure week for me for about two years, uh, trying to get everything just taken care of. Um, and one of the things that I finally did is back up a bunch of uh, my old photos. Um, and uh, w for a while there, particularly in the 2000s, mid 2000s, around Revenge of the Sith time and up until about 2014, I kind of had a, I know I have an action figure problem. I can't buy anymore, but I'll take pictures of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes it'll be like, oh, cool. I eventually bought that one, you know, on eBay for 10 bucks or some of the times they're like rare or whatever. Uh, and I'm like, why did I just take a photo of this and didn't buy it for $20? Um, yeah. But I came across a photo that I entirely forgot about. Um, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Uh, right when Sarah started dating, she, Sarah and I started dating, she had already agreed to uh, get her master's degree in London. So uh, long story short, I went and lived with uh, Sarah in London for three months. And then we took little quick side trips. And one of them, the trips we took is to Paris in early 2006. So the height of Revenge of the Sith. Mm. And I totally forgot that we had wandered into a, not wandered, I saw a toy store in Paris and demanded to go in. <laughs> and I forgot that yes. Sarah took these pictures of me and I, you know, at that point in time, I think I had, I had like a 
big beard, <laughs> look very much like an adult. And she's yeah. got this photo of me just pining like a child at a wall of Revenge of the Sith action figures. <laughs> oh, and it's like me great. in Paris in 2006 staring at Zet Jukasa action figure. And like, <laughs> you should have picked him up, 2006 me. You should have picked him up. <sighs> oh, that's awesome. That's oh, memories. great. Memories. Yeah. Memories. Good memories. Good memories. My other uh, life adventure is I went to see the Batman, the movie. <laughs> oh, Batman. So it's such a fun title because it sounds like, yeah. Well, yeah, I went to see the Batman. How's he doing? Ah, his knee's bothering him. He's doing okay. Um, <laughs> really, really enjoyed it. It was at Grauman's. It's uh, always a treat to go to Grauman's, especially like on an opening night for a big movie like that. Uh, Robert Pattinson, the mm -hmm. Batman, uh, showed up. And it was so funny because people were so excited, screaming so hard. And uh, we had seats way in the back, and he was so tiny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, he was very kind, you know, really thanked people. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I have some hats. <laughs> and it was fun to watch the Batman throw hats. And, like, he's, uh, he's the Batman, but he he's not get that hat's not making it all the way back here. Uh, so that was really great. And just without spoilers, I just wanted to say I really enjoyed uh, the Batman. It reminded me very much of... Uh, of Star Wars because a lot of the ideas in it to me kind of line up with some of the uh, the values of heroism in Star Wars. So, uh, big shout out to the Batman. The Batman. Mm. Big shout out to Robert Pattinson coming out with one of those air guns that launches t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get him back here next time. Get him back here. So, those are my adventures. How about you, Ken? Oh, man, it was a busy week, a, a trying week on some uh, uh, two fronts, actually. A big... Uh, Big technical snafu that I created for Force Center, which created a lot of stress, changed a lot of plans. And I had to do what I do often, uh, Joseph and Jennifer, uh, get, get, fall to my knees and uh, try to channel that Qui-Gon energy we talk often here. But <laughs> more, more I, I think my energy was uh, Luke watching R2 and Yoda fight. <laughs> on Megaball over and just being kind of frustrated and uh, having to find my center through all of that. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, then obviously the state of the world stuff is still hanging above everything, but I was every day you could find something about the state of the world that could get you down. And I think we have to find that hope in those dark times and those uh, fearful times. And, and that's kind of the big lesson in Star Wars. So it was one of those weeks busy, didn't have time to stop and think a lot, but at some point though, uh, I did accidentally stumble onto rogue one. By accidentally mm. stumble, I mean I brought up Disney Plus to watch something, and that was queued up, and I was like, "Oh, let's just continue this and uh, watch the uh, third act of, of Rogue One uh, uh, while having a sandwich." So there you wow. go. Star Wars does find its way into your life uh, somehow, some way. And, and did Rogue One and the sandwich help you? Uh, it did. It did. It did. And and that leads into some conversations we have this week and everything. But just you know, and 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 there's so much to analyze about rogue one as we all always do but i always say that third act man is sometimes just that playground fun if you want to just focus on that and i need i needed about 20 minutes to be like <laughs> spaceship goes, goes boom <laughs> it is good stuff for that yeah, yeah. Good stuff so that is uh all of our star wars adventures and life adventures we love uh sharing those so all of you can find uh uh, the connection to uh, our journeys and yours out there in Love and Star Wars. We're going to get to Star Wars news. And this was news from uh, March 2nd. Uh, sad news, but we're going to uh, talk about uh, the history and legacy of Alan Ladd Jr., the studio executive that said yes to Star Wars, passed away, as I said, on March 2nd at the age of 84. Without Laddie, there would be no Star Wars. Those are the words of George Lucas on the man that famously invested in George Lucas, the filmmaker, and not the movie 
Star Wars necessarily. Ladd believed in Lucas enough to go to then Fox President Gordon Stolberg to greenlight the Star Wars, I guess we should say, starting the saga that would change so many lives, careers, and uh, give birth to Force Center. Exactly what Alan Ladd Jr. Jr. was thinking. (laughs) One day that's going to be Force Center. Uh, Ladd's involvement in the Star Wars stories is well documented, but uh, I wanted to start this discussion here talking about uh, legacy and history around the Laddie, as uh, he was called, uh, to our relationship to his place in the history of this franchise. Jennifer, these behind-the-scenes names uh, enter into our fandom at some point. Uh, What was your journey with the story of Alan Ladd Jr.? I, you know, I remember, it's one of those things where, again, I don't remember what, what age I was, but I remember I was fairly young. And I think, cause my dad was really into movie making and behind the scenes stuff. Um, and so if you watch any of the documentaries or, or old interviews with George Lucas, he always mentions, uh, Alan Ladd Jr. and how important and crucial he was to getting the Star Wars made. So he was always kind of, I just kind of knew who he was. And then it wasn't until later on that I really started diving into the making of and understanding how important he was and how there would be no Star Wars really, or like we know it now, um, Mm. without him. So yeah, yeah, for many, many years, he's been a part of the Star Wars uh, history. Just a name we're all so familiar with, Joseph. Uh, Were you seven when you first learned of a studio executive? (laughs) No, I mean, I don't remember learning of studio executives. Like, I think I must have been aware of them through just kind of um, cultural osmosis of just like uh, from movies and cartoons. Like, oh, I I think my earliest memory is like that kind of cigar chomping stereotype. And I remember my dad kind of talking about mean bosses. And I think at some point when I was like 10, it kind of clicked of like, oh, sometimes movies have mean bosses. Like my dad can have a mean boss, (laughs) you know? And a lot of it was, as I got older, um, I I was interested in the making of with like Star Wars, but I'd be like, that's cool to see the Tauntauns move or that guy who made Yoda's face kind of looks like him, you know? Yeah. Um, But I wasn't that intrigued by like the business and the, the power and the decisions and the studios and all that. So I only really became aware a little bit more of, you know, studio bosses and that when things I love started to get canceled, they're like, who at this mm. BBC place <laughs> canceled Doctor Who? Like, who's this jerk who's uh, stopping me from watching Twin Peaks? Uh, so I think for me, I grew up with a little bit of that sort of like, they're the, you know, soulless, uncreative people who crush stuff. And seeing Alan Ladd, I'd heard the name, but seeing him in that Empire of Dreams documentary. Yeah. Yes. And he shattered Uh, every stereotype that I had about a studio boss. He was like so calm and soft-spoken in that interview. But what he said was like succinct and meaningful and powerful in the way he just very clearly said, like, I didn't know what Lucas was talking about. (laughs) I did not understand any of the technical stuff, but I believed in him. That, that had such an impact on me when I saw Empire of Dreams. And, and, you know, I, I think, we all any creative person dreams of finding an Alan lad who goes, you're clearly creating something new. I don't quite get it, but I get you. And I believe in you, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the huge importance of that is Alan lad to me. It's that's uh, so important. And and you're right. I think our journeys are are very similar here where I can't remember the first time I I heard his name and, and, and then connected it with star Wars. It might not have been until the mid nineties when I myself was 
you know, studying screenwriting and film production and, and thinking of moving to Hollywood. And that's when you know, you're reading the magazines, you're reading premiere, you're reading Cinescape <laughs> and all this stuff and you're exactly. starting to learn. Right. Yes. right Jen, you know? Yes. Yes. So that, I think it was a similar thing where I, you know, you're right, Joseph, we, we, we do become obsessed with the behind, behind the scenes of star Wars pretty early on as a just kind of collective fandom, but it's more about, I knew Phil Tippett, Joe Johnston, mm-hmm. Dennis Muren. I, I, but I didn't know they answered anyone, not even George. I just thought they're always sitting around making a movie. <laughs> you know, like, what fun, what fun, but uh, you're right. And I'm with you too. That empire of dreams is when it really kind of crystallized who this, who this guy was. And I love, I, I did rewatch empire of dreams yesterday. And I uh, didn't write down any quotes, but just when him talk about the casting, if like, I, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said, I <laughs> thought the cast was great or <laughs> full confidence. Cast. He just is so honest with it, but he's just like, yeah, you know, I believe in George and to hear George, especially, you know, his problems with the, you know, studios and, you know, corporate structure, all those kind of things he's always going on about to just have nothing but love for uh, Alan Ladd Jr. It, it, that, 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 carries a lot of weight for me as a star wars fan and you're right i loved his quiet confident energy and i can't even imagine when he's talking about uh, you know the budget empire and then uh yeah i stormed out of a meeting i'm like how did you storm out like quietly did anyone hear you storm out laddie (laughs) (laughs) yeah i get that sense of like he's a little bit older and probably back in the day when he when he'd had enough uh with the the board at fox and he stormed out that there there was probably some volume there is is the sense that i get (laughs) but I, i just also feel for me like um I think Alan Ladd is just this great reminder that sometimes we can see studio heads or, you know, decision makers in this kind of stereotypical way. And he's such yeah. a great example of he took a risk, right? Like this mm-hmm. every every time you make a movie, it's gambling with just a bonkers amount of money. And yeah. to see the pressure that he went under of like, I love some of those quotes in Empire of Dreams is like, yeah, there were some uh, there were some tense meetings. Every meeting, all we talked about was Star Wars. It was unpleasant, <laughs> you know, it, to, to just really remember that this would not exist unless he had put himself personally in such risk. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where I want to go next here. Uh, Jennifer, any favorite laddie quotes or decisions or, or sometimes non-decisions, uh, things that they, they stuck with and, and said, we're not changing that. Anything related to Star Wars that jumps out to you? Yeah, I was thinking uh, during the making of uh, A New Hope, the Star Wars, you know, uh, George wanted to shoot an additional scene with Greedo, and he also wasn't happy with the cantina, and he wanted more monsters. So I, if I remember correctly, I think he was like already a million over budget. Mm. Um, and he went to to Alan Ladd and was like, I, I need more money. And Alan Ladd was like, well, I can't get you. I can't get you what you want. Let's see. Let me see what I can do. And I think the board of directors at Fox, because of Alan Ladd Jr., gave George 20000 extra dollars mm. to go shoot that stuff. And it's because of that that Lucas was then able to hire makeup artist Rick Baker Mm. Who went on to create the modal nodes, uh, Momonadon, Muftak, you know, all those great creatures that we now, I mean, I can't imagine not having the cantina without them. And it's because Alan Ladd Jr. believed in George and his vision. Yeah. And even though they were already over budget and George was like, I need this Greedo scene. I need more monsters. Alan's like, okay, I got it. I'll do it. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing, right? I, I can't. Oh, uh, it's, it's a special time in, in movie history because I think of like the old yeah. studio heads as we're talking about with, you know, chomping on the cigars and how the big five, you know, Louis B. Mayer, MGM, and how they were they were so controlling mm. over their actors and, and everyone, right? Mm. And then you look at 
the later years with Alan Ladd Jr. and how he saw George and he gave George so much freedom and he he really believed in him as an artist. And it's such a stark contrast, I think, to the old Hollywood system. I, I think you're right. That's a great information, Jen. But uh, how the Empire Dreams documentary starts is that kind of story of the studio system of the old was crumbling and mm-hmm. suddenly their analytics were telling them, hey, kids, youngsters like movies and there's youngsters <laughs> making those movies. And for Alan Ladd, who was, you know, a younger man himself at the time uh, there uh, making those decisions. I think you're so right. And I love one of the ones I love was uh, I think between um, uh, was between Star Wars and Empire, but where. where George and his management team kind of goes back and says, Hey, you know, 200,000 for writing, directing and putting this all together, producing it's uh, probably a little low. And for, for a laddie to be like, yeah, you're right. You deserve more money. You don't hear that often. <laughs> you don't hear you, you people getting their worth. It's not that easy. And I just, that's something that uh, stood out to me. Uh, anything for you, Justin? Yeah. I, there, there's a quote at the end of the, uh, the star Wars.com article that is actually, uh, from the JW Rinsler book that I, I don't think I had heard this before. Cause I, I don't, haven't read all those books, uh, but this is from Alan Ladd talking about, uh, seeing star Wars in a theater with, with humans mm-hmm. <laughs> once it was released and saying, uh, I am not very prone to emotions, but when the picture opened and all of a sudden they just started applauding, the tears started rolling out of my eyes. That has never happened to me. Then at the end of the picture, it kept going. It wasn't stopping. And I just never had experienced that kind of reaction to any movie ever. Finally, when it was over, I had to get up and walk outside because of the tears. Oh. It's just so powerful to just be. Um, it's such a story of of catharsis, which is it's such an important word to me because we just all need it. And the idea of Alan Ladd being like, I really believed in George Lucas. I thought American Graffiti was uh it was beautiful and powerful. And I assumed that the, the star Wars thing that would be too. And then I went through hell <laughs> making it, defending it. And then at the end, when I see that it, I was right, mm. it is powerful. It did affect people that I get to have this catharsis, you know, this powerful catharsis in the back of a theater seeing that, uh, you know, I helped create something that people love. I love I I love that because talking about all the things that Star Wars changed. I'm not a a student of film history as much as you know other other things. I'll I'll admit, but I can't think of a movie up until then that would would have elicited that kind of reaction. You know, I don't know if there's standing ovations for Wizard of Oz. I don't know. (laughs) Like I don't know. Maybe someone correct me. But Alan Led. A junior, you know, of course, his father was an actor and everything. Come, coming from that old kind of era or understanding the old kind of era, fighting for this, fighting for this new era of cinema and then sitting down and seeing that reaction. Again, I, I, that's another thing that Star Wars changed is 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 bringing that kind of emotion out of audiences. So it had to be extra, extra special, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was great. That's, that's great. great. That's great. Yeah, a lot of the decisions, the cast, all that kind of stuff. Hey, you know what? Just rewatch Empire Dreams. It's some great. Letters. And there is, <laughs> I haven't watched, there is a, that Alan Ladd Jr. documentary was made a couple of years ago, and I have not got my hands on that. So now, now is maybe the time to check that out here. Uh, final question. I, this got me thinking about this. Go with me here. As children of pop culture, that's all caps, patent pending, uh, basically <laughs> kids, uh, kids of the 70s, 80s, 90s and beyond. We're the ones raised in this era of uh, movies that we are standing and applauding for. Behind the scenes stories, documentaries. I love documentaries about things I lived through. You know, a 1994 <laughs> documentary. Yes, I, 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 I know that year. I want to know more about that year. Um, I want to talk about our feelings when some of the 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 people from Star Wars history specifically pass on, 
Alan Ladd Jr. now, Peter Mayhew, Kenny Baker, Gary Kurtz, Ralph McQuarrie, Carrie Fisher. Now, Carrie Fisher's was a gone too soon type of situation, but it's still kind of that same thing, Jennifer, of these names that are always there. They're in the interviews. They're behind the scenes. We see set photos of them visiting. And suddenly when, when they're gone, as you as time is so cruel and takes this wonderful Star Wars thing and keeps on going, what are the what are your reactions to those kind of losses? It's interesting because in one instance, they don't feel gone because we are watching these documentaries uh, when they're younger or we're watching the movies and we're seeing them and and they're so full. Or or I'm even seeing like fans sharing their memories, sharing photos when they've gotten a chance to talk with these icons, really. Um, And then at the same time, it's, it's devastating because they do feel like such a part of our lives and they feel like family. Um, and then selfishly, you know, I want, I think about what could have been or how much more, you know, I w- want to see their art, especially, you know, Carrie Fisher. Um, like mm. you said, she was uh, taken too soon. Um, so yeah, it's, it's complicated and it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard because they do feel like family, but yeah. no yeah. one, no one has ever really gone. So. <laughs> No, no, in in a, in a way, and it's hard to get to that point. I know, Joseph. Uh, your thoughts on what it is to lose these names from our childhood as adults? Yeah, no, I agree with Jennifer. It, it it's complicated and it is sad, and particularly with somebody like uh, Carrie Fisher, where where there is almost this um, selfish isn't quite the right word, but it's the the word I'll use, like selfish desire to see like what else would they have created, what other books would she have written, what other performances would she have given, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's that kind of passing. Um, but then there's the the people who have lived a, a long, good life. And of course, I I uh, personally wish that um, <laughs> we could all live forever. But there is that difference of like, uh, you, you've lived a long life and, and you know, now is uh, it is natural. Um, yes. Uh, but I think for me, just a lot of the storytelling that Star Wars has always done, but in particular, the fact that the sequel trilogy really is about generational change right Mm -hmm. and it gives us those uh wonderful little uh phrases and ideas that capture something that's that's big and true and universal like no one's ever really gone and seeing you know ray's journey to be inspired by the generation that came before but find a way to to move forward herself i think the passing of some of these legends of star wars is uh, I'm helped by Star Wars that a lot of times you can kind of look to like, well, who is picking up the mantle, you know, and how are they moving the wonderful things that that these people did in the past into the future? And with someone like Alan Ladd, just that idea of like, okay, yeah, he he took this big risk, you know, um, who, who will be the next Alan Ladd who will take that kind of risk? You know, in, in what little moments in my life could I take that kind of risk? Could I believe in somebody when they, you know, say like, hey, you want to help me with this? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Sounds stupid, but I think you're really smart. So I'll come along with you. Like uh, how could even I not being a movie executive (laughs) (laughs) honor what I've, what I've really appreciated about the work and the choices of some of these people. I'm right there with you on this kind of a a life well lived, uh, a legacy, not just accomplishments and box office receipts, but just making decisions, taking chances, being part of something. We're all here. Three of us uh, always pursue creative endeavors, but no matter what you do, uh, looking back and, and being able to say, Hey, here's the things I did. A life will live. I just the name Gary Kurtz, like seeing him, you know, being interviewed so many times over the years, even their great YouTube 
uh, videos and, and to know that he's gone now, but, but this is what he left behind. And it's more than just, again, resumes, just, just going out there every day and, and trying to, to take it all on and, and create and put yourself out there. But in terms of star Wars, yeah, I think often uh, for me, it, it becomes a little bit of that. Well, if, if they're going, how old am I? Exactly. <laughs> and, yes. and we are blessed that star Wars is no longer just this, little thing this phenomena this little phenomena in a corner of pop culture it is ongoing it's still going and it is growing and changing and new names are coming and and, and i think it helps me to kind of be reminded of my place in this too of mm. uh, talking to younger fans or or fans with different perspectives and, and the big star wars table making sure everyone gets a seat where where you know uh these um these names are are now uh part of the past and, and new names are being put in. I, I, I'm not, that's not lost to me and it's not lost that it's part of the star Wars story. Hard to accept. I don't want to go. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to be force ghost yet. You know, I don't know if force ghost can go to Del Taco and enjoy tacos. There's some things I got to do still. Uh, but um, it does, it does uh, kind of uh, hit you in that way at times, you know, look, if I could be a, a force spirit and, you know, uh, whisper to people, my advice, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd be happy to have that, uh, that existence. <laughs> It's basically a podcast. It's a one-person podcast where Obi-Wan just pops up. It's like, you want to know my thoughts on that, Luke? Lots. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's uh, yeah, we all should be forced to go. So, you know, of course, in our podcast, we'll continue. We'll continue. Well, uh, that is uh, our look at uh, Alan Ladd Jr. and his life legacy and what it means to Star Wars fans. Again, passed away at the age of 84 and wow. never be forgotten in the Star Wars world. Changing gears a little bit here, let's talk numbers. Speaking of chomping <laughs> cigar, chomping studio execs, the book of Boba Fett is still pulling in numbers. So, uh, yeah, kind of the business side of Star Wars. The Rap and Parrot Analytics released a report that shows the book of Boba Fett is getting 39.1 times the amount of audience engagement than the average streaming series. Peacemaker close behind at about 36%. But that's a newer show, Book of mm -hmm. Boba Fett, already a couple weeks old. And in pop culture nowadays, that might as well be two years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so the Book of Boba Fett did have overall fewer viewers than The Mandalorian. Uh, but uh, though the finale, as, as was talked about uh, recently in the news, had higher viewership than the Mando season two finale. Yeah, we don't dig into numbers too much here at Force Center. Reason for this is maybe my take more than Joseph and Jennifer's. I'll get your takes on it. <laughs> I don't want the numbers to detract, like where I'm like, oh, I really like this. Oh, the ratings are low, bummer. Or see, see, the ratings are high, you dummies. Like, I don't want to, I just want to find balance in the numbers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, no, I think it's it, when talking about numbers, I think it's super important to say, why are we talking about them? Because mm -hmm. is this because we want to analyze how audiences are reacting or engaging with a specific kind of story? Is it because we are concerned that the numbers dictate what kind of stories might be told in the future? Why are we analyzing this is very important to me because, yeah, we know from history, right? When you sit down to watch a movie, somebody can sit down and watch The Iron Giant right now and go, amazing movie. What do you mean it bombed in 1999, right? Right. You know, it it, yeah. it, it, it is the story that lives on, not uh, the engagement numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like I said, I, I have I, I, I could easily because, you know, obviously the book of Boba Fett had some conversations around it that were, you know, uh, not all positive. Uh, hey, guess all Star Wars. But it's easy to point at uh, the 39 percent more and just go, ha ha, see, you're all wrong. And that doesn't necessarily make anyone's uh, 
negative opinions on Boba Fett wrong. It's just kind of what it is. It's interesting, Jen, right? So, so yeah. where's your, what's your relationship to the numbers? You know, I, I'm actually, I'm not surprised. I think that it has, the show has evoked passionate reactions with fans, both good and bad. Um, I think it's a really, it's a really rewatchable show, in my opinion. Like, I know people criticize the kind of quote unquote book aspect of it, right? Where each episode kind of stands alone in some, in some sense. But I think that that actually makes it really fun to go back and be like, Oh, I, I want to watch, um, you know, the Chris Anton's yeah. introduction, or I want to see, you know, a little bit more about, uh, you know, the mods or whatever it is. And, um, I think that each episode is packed with details, Easter eggs, character development, cameos that people are kind of going back to it and, and wanting to explore it further and how it ties into the the bigger Star Wars story. Mm. Um, I'm not surprised. I'm yeah. not surprised. I, people are very passionate about the show. Passion. And I like that, yeah. you know? Passion. Better that, right? Than some people going, eh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> yeah. <all> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Passion can be good, right, Joseph? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I think what's what's huge about this too is like I realized I was just kind of reading this and going like, yeah, yeah, I know this aren't this isn't um, you know, ne- necessary number of views. This is some audience engagement number. It's like, "Hey, wait. What does this what is this number?" Yeah. <laughs> what does it actually mean? Uh so if you want to do a deep dive, you can Google uh, Parrot Analy- Analytics. This is just this is their their definition that I found on their website of what this is. Uh, by measuring demand for content and talent, we are quantifying the attention economy. Our system captures how much attention, engagement, desire in viewership is expressed by consumers for TV shows and talent all around the world. Uh, and then I found a list of the kind of numbers that they're pulling. Uh, mm-hmm. They're pulling downloads in stream numbers. That's a part of this. Um, but they're also pulling photo sharing sites, fan and critic rating sites, social media, social video sites, wikis and informational sites, blogging sites, microblogging sites. So this number is Boba Fett's clout score. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it isn't just, you know, the rewatching. And I think that's fascinating yeah. um, because this has always been a big part uh, of Star Wars is that we certainly do watch the show and engage with the show and the art and the story is where it all begins. But even when fans, when some fans maybe don't like something or have a hard time with something or vocally criticize a part of it, we still engage, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think this this number is jokes uh, uh, on Twitter about uh, Book of Boba Fett. It yeah. is, you know, screen captures. It is us, you know, doing uh, podcasts. It is uh, people posting uh, pictures of toys that they are going to buy. You know, it's it's engaging with it so that makes a ton of sense to me that any star wars show is always going to be have a high level of engagement because it's part of why we like star wars we enjoy the story and then we kind of take it off the screen and in the fandom kind of makes it its own thing Mm -hmm. speaking of that passion that jennifer was talking about it's 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 always going to be there always yeah. be there. Yeah, I love that there. This also uh, leads to my philosophy of if I don't like something, I don't engage with my enemy so that no one can hear from my enemy. <laughs> uh, I want to get into specifically to to the ratings of viewers, which kind of comes out of this. But I love that information you just put out there, Joseph. That really kind of even uh, puts more perspective of what we're talking about here. But in in some of the articles, and I was looking at the fine folks at Star Wars Newsnet who kind of took the uh, the rap and parrot analytics story and kind of uh, made it accessible because I don't have a subscription to the rap or <laughs> parrot analytics. Um, 
Mando 2, season two, uh, kind of still being overall, you know, higher in terms of viewership despite that finale. Uh, what do you guys make of that? Uh, and to lead a little bit, I, I, I kind of, I, I kind of think the Mando is was new and has become old in a good way already. Where <laughs> first I was like, "Who's this new Mando guy?" Oh, that's my favorite. He shows up in Chapter Five of Book of Boba Fett, and people are like, "Oh, see, I'm invested in this character," uh, mm. which could be, you know, I, I get that as in terms of the critique of of the character, the writing of Boba Fett. But I'm just saying, people are still familiar already with this character that's only two years old, Jen, including Grogu. <laughs> so that shows that there's a lot of love for new things. Yeah. Yeah, so Mando season two was was higher, right? Overall, the the ratings were higher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I I mean it's Baby Yoda, you know. That's <laughs> I, no, but I really do think that that there were a lot a lot more I don't know, casual fans that I saw in my specifically Facebook in my Facebook mm-hmm. feed. I have a lot of family, a lot of friends who are not Star Wars people right? right they don't go and see everything star wars they don't know everything about star wars but they got into the mandalorian it was very um accessible and i think some people kind of did not get as into the book of boba fett because maybe they they didn't really understand i mean i thought it was very accessible but you know um not everyone got it um so i think that's part of it yeah and, and i mean who knows maybe the second season if there is a second season of the book of boba fett there will be higher viewership mm-hmm. i also feel like with the book of boba fett some people kind of got turned off by it and just didn't really were not as invested right. in the finale um they kind of felt like they knew where it was going whereas with the mandalorian everyone was like what's gonna happen <laughs> who's gonna show up right you know so yeah. just different stories i suppose yeah, no, I, I agree with that there. And I think t- I think Book of Boba Fett, I, I always use um, the description, was very stubborn in its style. And I loved its style, but if mm-hmm. it stuck with it and, and if you didn't like it, yeah, you, you might have had some issues. So, again, the finale, I think I think there's a uh, let's – I got to at least figure out how this uh, turn, turns out. But, Joseph, uh, you, well, you know what I mean when I'm talking about Din Djarin was new and now he's just familiar. Yeah, absolutely. I think this has been a fascinating journey because I think uh, Jennifer is entirely right. I think that first season of The Mandalorian, I think that can be your first Star Wars and you, you have no bumps, right? You just, yeah, right. he's a he's a bounty hunter. He's a, this uh, rough guy who's trying to, you know, find money in Beskar for the orphan <laughs> Mandalorians. Like, great, under the series, you get it. But then he meets this this kid and it becomes as many friends that, that I like and respect who are not big on Star Wars, call it the Baby Yoda show, right? And they got right. invested in in the first season, the first season hooked people. And then I think the second season of Mandalorian, you know, all those people were still watching the baby Yoda show and really invested in what happened to him. But then you got that extra buzz of engagement from, Oh wow. It's Boba Fett. Oh, it's uh, it's Ahsoka. Oh, now it's Luke Skywalker, this extra buzz of engagement. And then the other thing that I think we should never, ever forget is time does matter. Mando season two also came out in uh, some of the roughest times of the pandemic, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I think that makes a difference as well. Uh, absolutely. I think it does. Uh, you mentioned it up top, Joseph. Sometimes these these numbers, they're important to look at. They're not the be-all, end-all of discussion. They definitely, I mean, the amount of movies and TV shows in history that you go back and we're like, they were almost canceled or this movie <laughs> was run out of the theaters. It's now beloved. I mean, that happens time and time again. Stories do live on. I think you're correct to point that out, Joseph. But numbers also could indicate 
things changes. I, I, I've never thought there was going to be a second season of Book of Boba Fett. I never thought it was sold as that. I thought it was just this, this thing that they were going to do, this limited series, whether or not they said that specifically or not. But now looking at those numbers, I'm thinking, well, is there still a story to tell? Is that story in Mando 3? Is it its own thing? Uh, Jen, do you have any thoughts, hopes, or desires with this high engagement for any Book of Boba Fett season two? Or maybe just like, I'm good, give me one, and I'm done. Right. Yeah, I never thought that there was going to be a second season either. But, and I'm not, I'm never good at at creating plot ideas. I'm terrible at that. (laughs) But I'll tell you what I would love to see is I'd love to see them really dive into this this cast of characters that that they've given us, right? Let's learn more about the mods. Let's learn more about their backstory. Let's learn more about Fennec, Fennec Shand. Let's see more of Chris Anton. Let Garza Foot be alive. Like, you know, <laughs> I want to see the, the romance between the mayor's major domo and Belly. Why not? Um, so, I, yeah, really diving into to the characters for me would be really exciting. Um, but I, in terms of plot, I have no idea where they would go with yeah. it. You've sold me on the sitcom spinoff, uh, Pelly Loves Major Domo. <laughs> 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 oh god make it so someone please it's like that's a great you got the the wacky sidekicks and the pitroids uh you got the ex-boyfriend jawa coming around costume. there's a lot going on there yeah oh, old god. furry hands getting involved yeah <laughs> maybe they'll make a hot can you imagine if they made a holiday special what if they did just a hot a crazy oh. holiday special Ooh. with Pelly and her ex-boyfriend jawa i mean this 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 is gold. And you know who would do it? John Favreau would totally do it. Favreau is obsessed with the holiday special. He hasn't come out and directly admit that admitted that, but I I think it's there. I think, I think it's yes. there. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Got a little too excited. No. no. Oh, not man. at all. Oh, could you imagine? Amy said, Peli Moto leading us through a new holiday special, a live action one. We got the great Lego one, but a live action one? I, I'm, I'm <sighs> I think it's there. I think it's a good possibility. Yeah, Joseph, yeah, your thoughts uh, on these numbers? Because we know numbers, you know, make Solo 2 campaign. It comes out of the desire uh, for a solo movie, despite bad box office numbers that derailed it, right? All those conversations again. Numbers do matter at, on a business level. High engagement numbers. What do you think about Book of Boba Fett season two? Yeah, I think a final thought on the numbers is just that a reminder that we are in a brand new era. And I think even streaming services don't quite know what they want other than as many subscribers as possible. Right. Because I think that's partially we're seeing numbers like this because maybe engagement is is what they want. They just want as many subscribers as possible. If we all signed a subscribed and none of us ever watched Book of Boba Fett, but Book of Boba Fett made us subscribe. They wouldn't care because it's not advertising based. Right. Right. Uh, But they might care about this engagement because that's showing. Going, uh, you know, okay, this is the water cooler conversation across the entire internet. So people feel like they need to see this to be part of the conversation. That might be the metric that matters. Just a reminder that we're still in in early days of yeah. what metrics matter. Um, for a, a season two of Boba Fett, there would be a ton I'd be excited about. Um, the main thing for me is uh, I, I don't know if this would be wrapped up into larger storytelling of the Mandoverse, but I feel like. For me, the main thing of Boba Fett that is still unexplored is exactly how he feels about his Mandalorian past and if he could be convinced that Mandalore and the ideas of Mandalore is something that he should care about. Um, So I'm really intrigued by that in his character. I'm also intrigued by they kind of left it off as a second season is like, okay, we we don't want destructive things like drugs, um, but I'll still help run the the town run the planet and take a little bit of you know uh uh money uh to do that 
So there's this interest to me then of like Boba Fett being like, okay, I thought I wanted to be the leader, <laughs> but what does that mean? You know, so is, is there kind of a civil war on Tatooine? Uh, yeah. Is the Tatooine, is Tatooine, you know, uh, offered to join the new Republic and some people want that and other people don't. Is Tatooine targeted by early first order? Like, I think there could be some story of how does Boba Fett handle it and, and hold it all together along with his whole great cast of characters because we've met so many players on Tatooine now. It would be really fascinating. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things Book of Boba Fett did well for me is is, is put a bunch of uh, new characters and old into the story. And if this this Mando verse being eh, pretty much a real thing at this point, it seems, uh, you know, if they launched here, how can they fit into the bigger story? I think you're right with some of the Mandalorian stuff. But then, yeah, this romantic comedy sitcom and then an office place, uh, Jabba's Palace, <laughs> Boba Fett Palace uh, comedy uh, with the big things you're talking about there. Uh, there we go. Boba Veep, right there. Yeah. Boba, Boba Veep. Oh my oh, that'd gosh. Be great. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, that is uh, uh, our uh, look at the first half of Star Wars news. I'm still getting used to the new format. I almost wrapped up the news segment. No, we're not done. We got a whole <laughs> show. We're going to take a quick break, another story, and we're going to look ahead to Star Wars past. But before we do that, Joseph, we have an audiobook we'd like to recommend to all our listeners. That's right. We are recommending the next High Republic Adventure Mission to Disaster by Justina Ireland. To download your free audiobook today or that one, Mission to Disaster, go to audibletrial.com slash four center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash four center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break. We'll be back here on Four Center. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Force Center. One of the big shows, one of the main shows, one. The superstar stories in our fleet. We're going to keep uh, looking at the news here. And it was uh, one of the uh, slower weeks, which is always deceptive because there could always be something to discuss. There's always things going on. But this one popped up. And I, I got to admit, I, I did. I tried to do some digging, try to get a little more, more information. And it just is one of those things that was there. And I wanted to discuss it here. So, Joseph, Jennifer, excuse me if it's kind of vague. If you got Joseph, you did, did great research in that number of stories. Maybe you got some here. Uh, is Rogue Squadron still a go? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, there is a story I was, I was reading on inverse.com, but there's a link to a PDF of a schedule. All right. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I could make a PDF of the schedule right now and say, look, <laughs> I was just, I was, I was roaming around Bob Iger's old office trying to find information on why he canceled Twin Peaks for, for Joseph and, uh, you know, found, found a schedule. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, and, and, and this might be a lesson on not overacting, overreacting to unconfirmed news or, or maybe like I said, just a typo somewhere deep within uh, Disney. Rogue Squadron is still showing as set to be released in December of 2023. Uh, as we know, there was an abundance of rumors, exclusive stories, and hot takes on Patty Jenkins' Rogue One, uh, excuse me, Rogue Squadron film uh, being, uh, I don't know, pick one, delayed, canceled, or maybe now not affected at <laughs> all. Uh, so many news sites were reporting the story. As I said, it's an updated release schedule dated February 25th. We all know dates can't be changed ever. <laughs> Shows Rogue Squadron still set for 12-22-2023. Joseph, Jennifer, what is our gut reaction to this news? Jenner, you, you did not uh, get to discuss Rogue Squadron and all the drama with us uh, too much yet. So So take me through your gut reaction to this. I am so confused because <laughs> I I remember seeing the video announcement, fantastic video announcement with, with Patty Jenkins, right? Remember that? Where she talked about mm -hmm. her father and her dad was a fighter pilot. Great. Uh, on board. Then I think it was, I don't even know how long ago, maybe a few months ago, I saw people on Twitter saying it's canceled. It's, you know, she's no longer working on the film. And it's one of those things when you see these types of headlines and I'm like, are they copying and pasting it from somewhere is this like from, is this some random blog? Is this from the Hollywood Reporter? So then I went on last night, I was looking at starwars.com. I was like, have they shared anything about it being delayed or whatever? Nothing there. Yeah. So where did, where did this originate from that it was delayed? Was it? 
who know. who said it first? <laughs> we covered the story, and I can't can't remember. I mean, it was I, all over the place, but it did get to official sites, right, Joseph? Yeah, I I, I think it was. It had uh, one of the trades uh, okay. was involved, and that's that's usually kind of our metric. Of sometimes we'll discuss something fun if it just emerged from from wherever. But we often, you know, when it's one of the trades that have existed forever, that those are you know journalists doing a beat, you know. Then that's different. Yeah. Then then that gives me okay. Then then there then there might have been, and not to speculate, but there might have been some rumblings. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So okay, well. I'm happy that it's still a go. Um. <laughs> Are you excited for this movie? I think that's maybe in, in all of our, our, you know, when you were on on hiatus, we didn't get a chance to, to ask you. Are you excited for the concept of this film? You know what? N- no. I mean, it's not like a thing that I'm <laughs> that I'm into, right? Like okay. I remember, oh, I was trying to read, what was it? Those X-Wing books. Remember years ago? Oh, how long ago was that? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> it's not my, it's not my bag, right? I'm a creature's, right. I'm a creature's kind of gal. But that video announcement with Patty Jenkins, when I saw that, I was like, oh, I am on board because of her passion, mm. her excitement over telling the story. She is going to put the type of heart she's doing. I mean, she's a bit, she's a busy woman, right? Mm-hmm. She's doing this because she wants, she needs to tell this story. And that to me, I'm like, uh, it's going to be good. She's a fantastic director and she believes in this. I'm on board. So because of that, so that's why I'm like, if she's not attached to it, I'm not going to be as excited, to be honest. That you makes know? a ton of sense. Yeah. 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 No, that, that 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 little teaser was so well done and so personal. And and we, I, I remember talking about just having a big reaction to that Investor Day kind of, uh, that was right. It was Investor Day, right? Right? Yeah. I remember. It's so confusing. The time, yeah. again. Book of Boba Fett three years ago was released. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I can't deny that I was really moved by that uh, piece, really excited. And I I think I'd still be excited for this uh, despite some of the rumblings. And and Joseph, you're right to point out, I think that's lost. Trades versus movie news websites. Big difference. Big line. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons we discussed it. Yeah, and and it's not like sometimes the the movie news sites aren't aren't great uh, and haven't really broken something, but I think it's just exactly what Jennifer is saying. It's like something gets said and you have to to click through it, and then sometimes you'll you'll dig and dig and dig and get back to it and just be like, this person said, uh, you know, and and they're not (laughs) citing sources. They don't have a history, you know, and it's those ones where I think we got to take a a step back and go, where, where is this source from? Mm-hmm. Where's the source from indeed? But Joseph, your gut reaction to this idea, Rogue Squadron still flying. What do you think? Every time I hear a bit of Rogue Squadron news, uh, I, I just want to be uh, Qui-Gon waiting for the laser gate to open or not. <laughs> Qui-Gon <laughs> you know, I really think that, uh, to me, I, I think that some of the reports of like, ooh, is it paused? Is it delayed? Is is Patty Jenkins, you know, realizing I'm too busy and I want to do this one first or that one first? Is mm-hmm. is Lucasfilm love the project but not sure about this script? Like, I I think all of those kinds of discussions, uh, they they when they get reported, we just kind of we go at them like piranhas with with our opinions, right? About yeah. uh, about all sorts of different stuff. I think that's just a totally normal part of the process. Mm-hmm. You know, Patty Jenkins is a you know a, a filmmaker with a vision. Uh, Lucasfilm is a company that also has a a vision of like we want to celebrate uh, uh, artists and writers and creators, but we also have these these ideas about Star Wars. We're like, let's play with this, go crazy, make the mods bikes too colorful, and everybody will get mad. We don't care. We'll support you, Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> Uh, versus here, like some of the real underpinnings that that you know we really uh, feel strongly about. So I think the discussion is natural. I believe it might have got paused. I believe it might be 
uh, uh, raring up again. And it's one of these things that I'm just I'm just waiting for official news before I have any strong opinion or reaction. My strongest opinion and reaction is I want a big win for Star Wars when it returns to the big screen. That's the thing I care about the most. I'm with you. Right. Right, Jen. We're just rooting for a Star Wars win. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. My reaction to this is is um, is exhaustion in a way. I'll I'll be honest. (laughs) Look, there were there was a point. In, in all of this, even maybe before Force Center, the earliest of Force Center 2, where it's like, oh, let's roll up our sleeves and discuss what might be wrong with the film or what's going on. I love I love some good office place gossip. Oh, that's fun. And I, when all that got weaponized, it kind of, you know, it just would chip away at my joy. And that's why I've distanced myself even more and don't like scoop culture and all those kind of things. But then I hear this and I saw this. Why well, I want to discuss it. I was like, my gut reaction is, okay, let's have some fun then. If it's on... And they figured they figured out all those rumors, script issues, or whatever might have emerged. And, and if they feel they're going to take a shot with this, and they're still going to take a shot with this, or maybe they always were, and all of this kerfluffle was just a kerfluffle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm game because yeah, Joseph, <laughs> Star Wars, we want it to win. <laughs> yeah, sometimes a PDF is just an unupdated PDF, right? I mean, like yeah. who knows? Who knows what this bit of uh, a news could mean? It, it could mean that oh yeah, no, I, 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 we're supposed to type in on and out Star Wars film, but we didn't. Uh, who knows? Like it, it could be nothing. I think the biggest thing that I'm hoping for, Ken, is mm-hmm. by like spring or summer. Um, you know, maybe on May the fourth, maybe at Star Wars Celebration, maybe San Diego Comic Con, if it rolls on uh, as as normal. Um, I would love some announcement about Rogue Squadron or another movie that's gonna gonna hit either in 2023 or if it's bumped back mm. to 2024. I would just love that that announcement. I think that would be great uh, for the fandom. I think that'd be great for Lucasfilm to have that. Like, here's what's coming next. Hooray! Right. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, Jen, you with him on that one there? Yeah, I mean, could they possibly? Well, it means that they would have had to shoot, have shot something if they're going to show any anything. I mean, I guess they could always show concept art. They could always show you know costumes, whatever for Rogue Squadron. Yeah, um, I mean, but if it's going to come out by December of next year, like they got to have like this could be a you know, hey, here, here Patty Jenkins walks out and here here's the four stars, you know, who walk out on stage and oh one of them's in an uh, you know in a flight suit, you know, that's that's all you need, right? Like some of those Marvel announcements is just like here's Natalie Portman with a hammer and it's the best thing ever, right? <laughs> that's like so that's right. the way you announce Thor, Natalie Portman with a hammer. Yeah, they don't need to show anything. Just just bring out the stars. Yeah. That's what I want to see. <laughs> the stars. And, then, and then we find out that, you know, it is set post Rise of Skywalker. And here's General Poe Dameron holding a space meatball. And he's <laughs> <laughs> work. Work. Oh my uh, we're always going to cover these big uh, stories around these cards. But, uh, Jen, I want to catch up with you specifically uh, uh, about how, how we as fans find balance among these stories and the pop culture news cycle. How do you center your joy? And, and, and Joseph kind of touched on something there of just like this. Yeah, this Pete in accounting could have done a typo wrong. And, and and you know, this is and I don't want to overact to this. I don't want to underact. I just want to as a Star Wars fan have a win, have joy. How do you find the balance here, especially being part of the, the Star Wars punditry world over the last few years? I mean, it's so tricky, right? Like it's much more exciting for people to speculate that something's wrong, troubles are brewing, than to say, well, they're just looking at locations right now and they're having trouble finding where they're going to set up shop. You know, that's not exciting. Um, and if uh, it's just more 
it's more, there's more conflict, right? It's more like, like a movie. Where's the conflict? Oh, the conflict is that they're going to fire Patty Jenkins, you know? Yeah. Um, it's tough. And I try, if I, I remember there was a time where I really did used to kind of like allow my emotions to be controlled by, by the news cycle, the Star Wars news mm. cycle. And it's not a good place to be. So <laughs> I just kind of ride that wave, even though I'm a yeah. terrible surfer, I'm going to ride that wave. Yeah, someone who once crashed on a boogie board and that ended my career in the ocean uh, growing up on the beach. I agree with you there. Yeah, it, it, that news cycle, I even was still ex- very exhausted during the Boba Fett news cycle of Star Wars lives or dies by 1 a.m. Pacific time every, you know, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like this, this is the one we're done. And, and then next and then next week it happens again. And and I think that over the years with the news cycle, I just that's why I'm more just like sit back and hopefully Kathleen Kennedy comes out on a stage and says something. And even then Rangers, of the new Republic, you know, we're not, I'm not going to see that. That's not a apparently thing anymore. Things right. can change. I know they can change. I want them to change. I, I want them to make the right decisions. Even if that means going back. Uh, but I, I think as time goes on, yes, I have that Qui-Gon energy. We keep talking about just drop to my knees, close my eyes and wait for the star Wars doors to open. Yeah. Mm. And to give some credit to, to old Ben Kenobi, I'll go back to the the first Star Wars film. Like a lot of this is, you know, uh, Luke Skywalker getting mad in the cantina. Of like, we don't have to sit here and listen to this. <laughs> Obi-Wan just gently putting the hand on the shoulder of like, you might even have a point, but let's not lose our heads about it. So true. So true. Well, there you go. That is a look at the Star Wars news headlines of the past week. Can't wait to see what we talk about next week as we race towards a big Star Wars news cycle. You know, we got some Andor and Kenobi Twitter handles are being made out there. The tweets are protected. We're getting closer to Star Wars Day celebration. Oh, so much cool things coming our way. Uh, As we debuted last time out, we're going to close the show with our Star Wars history in Star Wars history. Uh, This is our chance to uh, look ahead at Star Wars past, meaning in the next week, uh, I love picking out a, a, a date in Star Wars history to see our relationship to the events on that date, to the history of Star Wars. And we have this one today. California on March 10th, 2005, during an episode of the hit TV show, The O.C., theme song by Phantom Planet with Jason Schwartzman on drums. The full trailer for Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, was released. And then online for hyperspace subscribers on StarWars.com, I was not one. (laughs) So, where were you watching the OC for this first question? And what of our memories of seeing this full trailer for Revenge of the Sith, Jennifer? I used to watch the OC. (laughs) You did. I did. I think I even lived in the OC at that point i don't remember uh yeah a little meta um and i (laughs) and i i i don't know if i saw this trailer i may have but i watched it last night and i have to say they gave away the whole movie (laughs) (laughs) i mean at first like i literally i got chills like the first minute i'm like yeah all right we're getting back into it and then it just keeps going and going and it's like the whole plot is just spoiled and i thought well you know it's probably good that they only give us concept art or like just you know a title card on the screen nowadays for these teasers because i mean can you like fans back in the day must have lost their minds like did i don't remember losing my mind and and freeze framing things and i mean it's just it's all right there all in the trailer it's like three minutes long yeah 
I I I remember stuff the the Phantom Menace trailer on on a VHS copy at home. Me and my roommates did like freeze frame when that little uh, you know the little squiggly lines, kind of the the broken image. We're like, that's oh my gosh, it's Jabba, and there's right. another hut behind them. Oh my gosh, <laughs> oh, I can remember that. We just didn't have a podcast. Um, that's fascinating, and uh, yeah, the whole thing about re- the reveal. Yes, we're in a different era of spoilers and this discussion, and I'm in a. I would just love title card. That's it, right? Yeah. But, I remember my reaction, my reaction specifically to this trailer, Jen, was, ooh, Lava Planet. I wonder how that fits into the story, right? And I, <laughs> I approached it from that angle back in the day where now I don't. Now I'd be like, I don't want to know there's a Lava Planet. Let me figure that out. I, I don't know. You could track the history of how that changed in me, but that was my reaction in 2005. Excitement. Oh, oh, I want to see how this fits in. But you're right. It gives away a lot. Yeah, the mace going to arrest Palpatine. That when I rewatched that, I was like, "Oh wow!" It didn't bother me back then, but mm-hmm. now it's like I wouldn't want to know that. <laughs> right, right. That's a different. I don't. I, you know, I need some uh, therapist to come in and help me with this. I don't know, Joseph Jennifer. I, why, why do I hate that information now? Or back then, I celebrate. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's yeah. So weird. Mm. It's so I, weird. Yeah, long conversation that one. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, Joseph, I know you were probably in uh, Minnesota watching the OC going, I wonder if I'll ever move to that great state. Oh, look, Star Wars. <laughs> uh, this was an active time for me. I was not watching the OC uh, because I my television was not hooked up to any cable and barely, barely got any channels. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know exactly where I was on March 10th, uh, 2005. That was 21 days before my first date with my now wife, Sarah. (laughs) So this is a pivotal time in my life. I believe I would have been on stage at the Minnesota History Theater doing a very weird uh, musical called Fireball, uh, uh, The Great Hinkley Fire. (laughs) There was a firestorm in Minnesota history uh, where where the fire kind of merged with wind and became a fire cyclone. Oh my gosh! And I, I had the comedic role in this musical. It's a, it was a weird show, but a fun one. Um, and I had been a subscriber to Hyperspace uh, for the couple of years before. I really remember that and was really happy to be that. And I can't remember if my subscription had run out, um, but I do remember seeing this trailer because I remember specifically having conversations with friends who were uh, of our generation, grew up with the original trilogy, uh, soured on the prequels. It didn't like some of the cute stuff, all that. And 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 then I remember in particular having uh, the same conversation with a couple of people who were like, I didn't really like Phantom Menace, really didn't like Attack the Clones. They got me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because this connects to the original trilogy. And I remember, uh, I remember us uh, like yelling at each other, you are the chosen one. <laughs> like, all right, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I, I got to see this. Right. And I remember the conversation not being about, oh, they told us too many details. I remember the question that isn't quite answered in the uh, trailer is still being like, why did Anakin make the choice? Like we see that he makes the choice in the trailer to -hmm. to give in to the dark side, but that exact why isn't quite in there. And I remember that was the debate. Yeah. Yeah. And you're very right on that. I think we, I think we kind of knew the ending, right? Yeah. (laughs) No hope for Anakin. No, again, we did. Some people didn't know. We're like, ah, I wonder if it's going to turn. Yeah. And I'm with you too, Joseph. There was a little bit of that, like, oh, you know what? I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still going to this party. I'm still going Mm. to this party. And that was kind of the energy back then. It is a great trailer though, despite Mm -hmm. uh, what it gives away the the music, which speaks to one of my favorite things about Revenge of the Sith. Of course, is John Williams' music taking some big swigs. I, I think the trailer gets that ominous vibe, the, the the beats, the music, the rhythm, everything about it. It's it's a solid 
trailer and then Lava Planet, you know? So excited for that. Yeah. So, so much exciting lava. <laughs> exciting love indeed. And, uh, and I didn't watch the OC. I, I, I was, uh, at the time, was a big fan of Phantom Planet's band. Mm. And it was kind of one of those, like, I'm so happy that they got that theme song. But man, everyone hates them and they're a great band. And I just, that was the energy I had there. So. <laughs> Uh, 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 so that is uh, our, our look back we'll, we always will do deeper dives On some of these bigger stories there But this was a, an important week For Star Wars history On uh, March 10th, 2005 Revenge of the Sith Was getting ready to come our way Well, there you go We are done today A lot of fun A lot of things to look at And also uh, the importance of looking back On the legacy of Alan Ladd Jr. Uh, we can be uh, found on a lot of places on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Our Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. You can find the podcast on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and a lot more spots. Just search and find us there. Merch is available on tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. And you can support us directly on patreon.com slash Four Center. From there, you can get into our Discord where you can join a conversation Conversation with Star Wars fans who have fun overreacting, have fun underreacting, but always find the uh, joy of balance there. All right. So, uh, as always, we want to uh, uh, let you know where you can find us individually. You can find me at Cadnapsock. Go to my website, Cadnapsock.com. For charity funds, there's a couple things going on. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of things going on in the world. Uh, We've still uh, got uh, the situation, uh, which is the Worst word to use. I, I should not a situation. Ukraine is just an absolute crisis, and the Ukraine Crisis Relief Fund at www.globalgiving.org uh, slash project slash Ukraine Crisis Relief Fund. Just uh, Google search that one. There is a good spot uh, there that uh, recommended by Force Center listener Mike Fink. Uh, some place that's the place he's putting his energy there, and I am as well. And we want to highlight too uh, the Amadala Initiative that's going out there. A lot of Star Wars podcasts working together started a GoFundMe to uh, support Equality Texas and the uh, fighting for, for rights and, and equality, fair treatment for uh, transgendered uh, children and their families and all the stuff going on in Texas. Go to uh, their Twitter page for more information. Uh, Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshot. And you can check out all my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshot.com. Uh, as we're recording, I see that there's some uh, breaking news about uh, tickets being uh, released for Star Wars Celebration. So mm. there's a lot of Star mm. Wars Celebration. There's a cool uh, poster. Uh, so there'll be lots of stuff uh, for us to talk about. This happens to us. We record on Monday and sometimes uh, <laughs> news breaks. But I wanted to let listeners know that uh, I saw it. I saw it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about it more uh, for the uh, this the idea that I would like to highlight so many wonderful things that that Ken listed I want to continue to promote uh, the organization vote forward uh, this is a uh, an organization where you write letters uh, trying to encourage people to vote you uh, just share a personal reason why you vote and encourage people to use the power that they have uh, to support the ideas and the people that they believe in if you're interested in writing some letters they got some great numbers speaking of numbers this organization really does a ton of numbers to show how much this works to incentivize people not to vote in any particular way, but just to vote, to get out there and use their voice, use their power. Something I believe in a lot. And if you're interested in writing some letters like I am, you can go to their website at votefwd.org. 
Wonderful stuff, as always there. Voting matters, my friends. Voting matters. Do it for Padme. Uh, Jennifer, where can they find you? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Jennifer Landa. My TikTok is at Jennifer Landa 1138. <laughs> <sighs> I won't even get into how I could have forgotten that. Discussion. It's important. Anyways, um, today I am spotlighting um, Equality Texas and the Equality Texas Foundation, which are uh, actually two nonprofit organizations in Texas that offer different services, but they work together to achieve the same mission. And that is to eliminate discrimination targeting the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and they do this through education and community organizing. And the great thing is, is that they are local organizations in Texas, which is where trans rights are being threatened right now. Um, so the work that they do is extremely critical. And their website is www.equalitytexas.org. Wonderful stuff, as always. Jen, you know, two weeks in, so good to have your voice back on here, uh, the Four Center Airwaves, uh, and we are so happy to see everyone out there shares our joy as well. So thanks again for uh, coming back, coming back. The journey, the journey, we just needed to wait, you know? Thank you so much for having me. Yup, nub. <laughs> yup, yep, nub to you. Uh, indeed. All right, that is this week. So for the Mandoverse, the memory of Alan Led Jr., and Rogue Squadron, We'll see you soon, question mark. This has been Force Center. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.